It's good. We live? Yes. Welcome to the If You Know You Know podcast mm-hmm. with your guest, Vladimir Just your and guest? Rashad Curitan. Your guest or your host? Your host guest. Yeah. I'm, I'm a guest today because I'm going to act different today. Act different. So I'm acting different. No, so tell them why you're acting to different. The, if, I'm acting different because I've been busy. Mm-hmm. We're filming this pod no, late. No, don't, don't say when. Just say. We're filming this pod late. Yes. I've been busy. Yeah. Extra busy. No, he hasn't. And here, and here I am. Better late than never. Mm-hmm. Your communication is good? My communication is great. No, his communication is horrible. My communication is great. And listen, I repeat. Welcome to the If You Know You Know podcast mm-hmm. with your co-host, Vladimir Just, and your mm-hmm. other co-host, Rashad Curtin. And yes. that's it. We're the only two co-hosts. Yes. Nice we to make meet you one this. big host. Thank you for coming back and tuning in this week. Um, if you would so kindly, please rate us in the Apple Podcast app and leave a review. Our rating is up there. Yes. People listen and they just... And for those of you changing. who continue to text us, please... Highlight us on Twitter. Highlight us on Instagram. Share the wealth with your friends. Okay, now, since we got the fake voice on, I almost fought Vlad about four times before we started recording this. Um, it was just, you know, it happens. Sometimes you got to fuck up your siblings. And, you know, it's just <laughs> part of life. So, yeah, because you're not respecting the bag, bro. I'm, no, he doesn't respect my asshole. He, like, sometimes you got to put, you got to check somebody when they when they out of line. You got to check them, and that way they get back in line. So, little Vladdy's in his bag and his Birkin. Yeah. That's it. I'm working, <laughs> nigga. <laughs> no, nah, it's okay. Listen, it is okay to fight your friends occasionally. Just as, just so you know that you're still friends, but you're going to put some respect on my name. You feel me? No, nah, I'm always going to respect you. You know that, bro. You, you bro. Come on. Yeah. You ain't got to worry about that. What you got to worry about is. Getting that fucking credit right, because I know you got that 530, 540 credit score. <laughs> I mean, you got that Benz, your payment's probably like 822. Yeah. Don't even lie. You know, you tell us what your payment is. My payment is not it's fucking 822. It's like 850. You tell us what your payment is? Yeah. Oh, wow. You really being transparent today. Yeah, it's not bad. Damn. You should, you're probably only telling us because you know your shit like 745 <laughs> a month. No, no, no. They probably told you. you know, they probably told you you could do a refi in about a year. If it, yeah. No, because I already came in there with my own financing, so I don't need to refi through anybody else. You came in with your own financing. Yes. What does that mean? Elaborate, because my mind went. What do we? What do you mean by that? So typically, when you go to dealers, they deal with their own banks. So they're always trying to say. Oh, that's what you mean. Okay. Yeah. So they yeah, deal. Yeah, yeah. They deal with their own banks, and they're like, "Oh, well, we can get you in at this rate or whatever." But how you did that with such a low credit score? I don't have a low credit score. Oh. So, anyway. Uh, when you come in, like if you go to your bank, like so I bank with Chase, I bank with a credit union, you go to your credit union and then you ask for um, an auto loan. They're always doing auto loans and typically they have lower interest rates than larger banks. So what you do is you go apply for the auto loan, see how much they approve you for. And then when you go to the dealership or wherever you're going, you just you already know the amount you're coming into with. So then you could just say. All right, I want this car. And then if they're going to play around and play games with you, you just walk out. You already have the money. You don't have to go back and forth with them with their financing. So it makes the process that much easier because, you know, everybody wants to, every they go hand in hand. Everybody wants to grease each other's palms with however many deals that they're giving to the banks and everything that they're doing. So, well, well if you have good credit, this is actually valuable information. Yeah. If you really do have good credit, not mean dead ass. You should know this already. Yes. Like you should not be going into any fucking establishment and using their credit because they they they're gonna obviously work together to get the most money out of you. You should not that your bank won't, but your bank has to respect you for what you in a in a certain way where they're not. So mm-hmm. if you do have a good score and you have purchasing power, in that sense, you should definitely utilize that. Go in there with your own fucking bank with your own financing for sure. Yeah, definitely. So like. You know, that's one gem. And then recently, I've been reading a new book. No, You've been I'm annoying not. as fuck with that book, bro. You posting all that shit. We don't give a yeah, fuck. Yeah, you do. Motherfuckers want to listen. People yeah, but wanna, I don't give a fuck that you're reading that book. People want to understand. They want to learn about things in life. So, you know, that's the thing. So people want to learn new information. But um, it's called, uh, what's it called? What Would the Rockefellers Do? And it's learning about, like, transitioning wealth through generations and setting up trusts and, like, they talk about slavery? No. Oh, they skipped that part of the wealth? Yes. <laughs> How convenient. <laughs> oh, okay. So we're going to skip over that part. Go ahead. Continue from there. No, but basically, um, 
a lot of the main major benefits are through like whole life whole life insurance and it's like creating a cash flow insurance system so what at a high level what you do is you get a whole life insurance it builds a cash value yeah it builds a, you overfund it so it builds a cash value so then you can pull from the you if you pull need to, from if the you want to from the life insurance value and now you have an interest-free loan and tax-free so then and you determine the repayment because it is your policy unlike a traditional loan where um you have to abide by their interest rates and everything. You don't have an interest rate because you've overpaid the policy. I'm so, going to speak on something. I'm going to correct you in one way. What? It's not tax-free. It is tax-free. If you structure it right, it is tax-free. It's not tax-free. Any gains you receive and anything may, most of the time, but even life insurance, even a whole life policy, the the gain, the portion that you, that you actually put in will be taken tax-free, but it's first in, first out. So your money that you actually gained will come out first before the money that you actually put in and then they'll tax you on the on the gain portion that's if you i read about it it's like a it's a very like fine line but you can pull your money before you get taxed so, so like you can avoid the tax so hypothetically speaking right let's say you put in 25 i'll put a simple number let's say you put in 50,000 but you need to take out um and now it now it um, massed value. to 100 mm-hmm. and you need to take out 60,000 Ten thousand of that sixty thousand is going to be ta- um, ten thousand. The fifty thousand that you're taking out, that's from the gain, is going to be taxed. Ten thousand will not be taxed because the portion that you gained is still going to get taxed. How? Because that's just the way it works. That's the way whole life policies work. That's what they're going to whole do. Whole or term? Whole. Because other because there's term there's, term builds on cash value. There's whole. There's variable, universal life, and then what is that? What is that term? Well, we'll come back. We'll, we'll, we'll recircle that. We'll, we'll come back to that. Well, either way, you just pull the cash value. It's still a valuable product. And then you product. have your interest-free loan. So now you don't, like, you can repay it on your terms. So when you want to go buy a house, if you've overfunded the cash value, you take that loan against your policy, and then you um, essentially have your interest-free loan, which you can use to purchase different things. You use it as a cash vehicle to mm-hmm. invest or just to have insurance on yourself. Mm-hmm. Also, you don't pay loans. I mean... You don't pay interest because, like, my mom used to do that. Like, no, I'm saying it's fire. It's, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, no, I'm just yeah. saying, like, in terms of... What's it doing? In terms of, like, um, interest and things, not interest, taxes, like, you don't pay... for In her situation, the way hers is structured and the way it was underwritten, she didn't have to pay taxes on it when you pull from it, as long as you put that money. Like, you don't pay the taxes, but you just have to fund it back so that you get the full value upon your death. But it is a vehicle to purchase things. And like, if you think about like going to get a mortgage from the bank, well, if you've overfunded your policy and you have a decent enough policy, you can pull from your policy instead of going to a bank for a mortgage. And yeah, you, you, made, cash- you made money in that, in that, pro- in yes. that cash value. And then now you have the cash value to go buy a car or buy a house because you've overfunded it. And then you just, the same money that you would pay for a typical mortgage, you can pay back for your, uh, for your whole life insurance value. You know, yeah, that's a cool book. I recommend people to go buy it. Yeah. Or also, uh, becoming your own banker. It's a really good book. Whole life policies are good, but that that so when people get more into whole life policies at the stage you're at in your in your life financially, those become more diversified strategies. So what you're doing because you have you already invest in stocks, you probably have bonds in your portfolio as well. You have a wide variety of different things you're doing. So now that you're 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 dipping into the whole life policy world, you probably already have a term policy with your job that they might have offered you with some shit. Mm-hmm. And you're doing what what motherfuckers need, should, and hopefully will eventually do. You're diversifying your your financial life and your financial profile in every aspect. So even if one thing went wrong, you wouldn't even feel it because your table has nineteen legs rather than three. You know what I'm saying? Like you, you, you killing. That's the right I, thing. If I could go back, I would do whole term for. I would, I would overfund life insurance first before I invested in any stocks, because of the tax benefits and um, less fluctuation. So there's a lot more factors that go into it because if you look at um, certain life insurance companies, you, you typically want to go with the ones that have been around like over a hundred years. And look at the ones who have always maintained their policies through financial hardships. Like, so I think there's about only about 12 that have never, um, they've always like been in good interest of their policyholders through the Great Depression, through the recession, 
um, and the 2008 financial crisis. So like, there's a lot of factors in looking for the right company that you want to get a, a policy with. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Another good thing about whole life policies, just so you know, I forgot to mention this part. There's something called this is deeper into the into that world. There's something called riders that you can. So the insurance world is way wider now yeah. than people think it is. It's not really that. It's not like five things. There's a million it's different things you can intense. choose from. And there's something called riders. It's kind of like, uh, you know, when you play Call of Duty and you're adding attachments on your gun to make your gun better. Mm -hmm. It's the same concept as that. So you have a whole life policy and you're adding attachments to your policy to protect your your um to protect your what you want to protect to protect I forgot, I'm having a loss of train of thought right now, but to protect what you're trying to do. So, for example, right, let's say I have a whole life policy, but I have a history. This is like really strategizing. I have a history of family with health issues mm -hmm. that I can predict predict that 30 years from now, 20 years from now, I may have the same health issues or I don't have family. I know that I may need to go into a nursing home because I don't really have family like that. Mm -hmm. I can get a whole life policy with a rider that caters to nursing. So it'll say like, oh, and a portion of this money will be put to side for you for when you're in a nursing home mm -hmm. or a portion will be, there's a whole bunch of different riders for different reasons. Yeah, like structuring you know it the like, Yeah, like within the product. Yeah. It's like attachments to the product. Yeah. So, no, that's that's legit, and that's how like you should you know look at it and that shit takes it. a lot of a lot of it takes time knowledge and you stuff. really gotta like study it. But like, I wouldn't it, even know about but it. But it is worth it if you if you truly wanna you know you have to study like the rich family. So that's like why it was such a good book. What would the Rockefellers do? Because if you look at the Rockefellers and how John Rockefeller the first transferred all of that wealth throughout the years to where his family is still around. And then they made a comparison to the Vanderbilt family where he didn't have the proper trust and, you know, everything set up. And then if you look at the Vanderbilt family, it's no longer as prominent um, for transferring wealth through generations. It died out at some point. So like basically it's like uh, about creating a vessel of money that you can set up for generations down the line. Um, what else? What else? Oh, yeah. So shout out to Reed because he definitely hit me on the side and was like, yo, can you go in depth about credit more? Um, and obviously we both know about credit. So I've wanted to like look up pros and cons. So like credit is like pros and cons of credit cards. It's can, I say, can I just say something real quick before you go? Yeah, no, go ahead. Go ahead. I don't know if there's other people out there, but the hardest part for me when it came to my credit to taking it serious was just do it like just take it serious like just start using it in your favor like it's like well, something you always want to put in the back burner but it's so not not like that and then i, I got my shit right but but did you fuck it up before yeah okay yeah, yeah. so like i, I think a lot up. of people i fucked it i fucked it up but i never had nothing crazy on yeah. it you never like had something crazy that you some... couldn't come back from yeah yeah yeah, 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 yeah. yeah everything yeah. i everything i did and i think the majority of us like our our you know our people i think the majority of shit we have on our credit is so like so light, come light. back from it's you lightweight. Can. Like you, yeah, yeah. You, you don't got back. a thirty thousand dollar credit card. Exactly. Like, that's exactly. That, People yeah. be having that seventy five thousand. Like we, I don't think any of us had that. We be having like five thousand, ten thousand. Yeah. If your shit is like fifteen thousand, mm -hmm. you're Gucci. You're good. Realistically, just, yeah. If you change your your lifestyle a little bit, you could fix that shit. Mm -hmm. Or you could just say, "I'll wait seven years." But that's a long <laughs> time. That's a long time now. You could wait seven years at twenty. Yeah. So. uh that ties into something I want to speak about later. But so obviously we know there are many different ways to build credit and you have to look at like ways of building credit. So I've, I like everybody goes, the first thing everybody goes to is for a credit card. Just to say like, oh, it's the easy way to build credit, which is true. It's great for credit building, but it's more secure in cash and they have reward points. Now, like that's the whole draw with credit cards. The cons are it's easy to dig yourself into a hole. There's a high cost of borrowing. And I really wanted to and also applying too many applying to too many cards hurts your credit. So I wanted to really focus on the high cost of borrowing because a lot of people don't truly understand that concept. Or like if you look at price versus the cost, the cost is the price is which is what you pay for. It. The cost is what is like how much is really going to hurt you in the long run. Um and most credit cards, it is a high cost of bar borrowing. Like, what's the standard rate? Like fourteen percent. And then if you no, have I mean, I don't honestly. Some you can get, <clears throat> you can get 
18 percent anything, anything i mean like yeah I, okay we'll just say 14 go ahead like 14 to 13 20, 15 25 16, yeah like, it's a wide depend, range yeah depending on your credit and you know like 18 is probably like what they they like to do 17 yeah so it's just like look at look at how they value the money like if your your money if you put your money into a high yield savings account what are they going to give you two percent back like two percent um the interest rate if you get credit and that's how what they'll give you if you credit card 14 15 16 their money is more valuable than yours and and their and in their world they would say because of risk they measure everything upon risk and the risk you, that you're taking by putting you're giving them your money mm-hmm. is extremely low you can always go back to your savings account and go get your money is going to be there even though they're lending it out you, but you hope. <laughs> when you when they give you money mm-hmm. it's a big risk for them because you could just dip and just use the money and just be out so that's why they're going to charge that's their excuse that why they were going to yeah, charge you that but rate. if we if we truly think about it in like because everything's on a fractional reserve system and typically if i'm if you would know better than me but don't you have to have that cash reserve readily accessible if in the event which is a very rare event that everyone in your branch came that day and said i want to take my money out you have to have that money there for them to take um i mean granted everything there like they would just send like let's say that happened and they would send some people to a different one but i mean everything is digital but Let's go on a small scale. Let's talk about a, like a credit union, mm-hmm. like a bank of, let's say the Bank of Babylon. And this is like a small scale brand. It's only one location. And because you obviously they're lending your money out, they may not, in the event that you, everybody in every customer that they have at that branch comes and takes their money out. Like that would be a good stress test for a lot of banks to see if they- A lot of people. So the truth is, right? They have all these rules and policies, but when shit goes wrong- People start making shit up and people start fucking people over. They will fuck a lot of people over. 100%. You saw what happened? All the rules and all the shit that they, the only thing that would be guaranteed is your $250,000 that FDIC guarantees. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't even get that right away. That would take a process and some time. I believe that. Because you saw what happened in Greece when the financial crisis happened and all the people, the banks were like turning them with like, nah, nah, you can't get your money. Like they shut down the bank. They would definitely do that. <laughs> that shit is fucking crazy. There's only a couple of banks that would never, that wouldn't happen in. But for like those, I mean, I don't know how credit unions give it up, but I'm pretty sure, I, yo, these are fucking, these mother, like it's not like people care about you. Yo, everybody's, they're using you. Mm-hmm. They're taking your money and they're loaning it out for way higher percentages and they're giving you nothing. This isn't, yo, I remember people used to come to my job, right? And they used to say, Oh, one of these savings rates is going to get better, and one of these rates is going to get better, and and then oh yeah, but the Fed and the Fed is doing this, and then they're raising, and I'm like, I used to like a couple of people I used to say to them, I'm like, why are you guys like, I didn't say why are you guys so dumb, but I used to be thinking like, mm-hmm. why are y'all so dumb? In the 80s and in the 90s, they was giving y'all 12 percent, 13 percent, 15 percent on y'all savings accounts, right? Mm-hmm. You're just it's, just think of people, person. I'm giving you 15% on your on the money you give me because you're loaning me your money and I'm making money on your money. Thank you. Mm-hmm. And then I'm like, you know what? Let me lower it. And I lower it to 12%. But you're still giving me your bread the same way. All right. No issue there. Let's see what happens if I lower it to 9%. I lower it to 9 Y'all still giving me your bread the same exact way, even more now because mm-hmm. the, the economy keeps growing and as GDP grows, we make all money, we put more of it in the bank. I'm lowering this shit. These niggas ain't even mad. They're giving me more. Let's see if we can bring it down to 5%. And, you know, people around are like, no, don't do that. They'll stop depositing. No, let's just see. 5%. Niggas is giving you, still giving you money. Okay, 3%. Okay, 1%. Okay, now this shit is 0.05. Yeah, I think <laughs> like, when, nigga, I, when I started Marcus, like, mine was like 2.6. went down to 2.4, 2.2, 1.8, and I think it's around like 1.6 right now. They have no justification. Whatever reason they give you, I'm like, I don't give a fuck what you read in any book. <laughs> they talk about from Moody's or S&P. I don't care what anything says. This is the world and human life. They recognize what they didn't realize in the, when it started in the beginning. <clears throat> we can just lower it. And they will continue to do what the fuck they're doing. Mm-hmm. So why would we pay them more? If we wanted our rates to go up, you know what we'd have to do? What you just fucking said. Pull your money out. Because the whole point of having good rates is to welcome people in. Yes. So if we still getting people in, but we don't have to have good rates and blow the fuck. I'm not paying these niggas for no reason. They're not our friends. I'm not paying them for no reason. 
Let everybody do what you just said. Mm-hmm. Yo, we're all going to Chase as a whole fucking nation. We're going to Chase and we're pulling our money out. They will offer a 9% interest rate the next week. <laughs> That's what they would all, be insane. And guess what? We would all be right back there getting our 9%. And mm-hmm. then when things, after some time goes by, things start leveling out. Mm, sorry, sorry. We're going to have to cut down rates because of performance. It's going to have to be 8%. Oh, sorry. It's going to have to be 6. Point, and if we just keep depositing it, it'll go all the way back down to zero again. Mm-hmm. That's the truth. Yeah, so that's the truth. When I when I started, in my look, opinion, but no, no, to no, me that, that's the truth. That makes complete sense. So like that's why when you know they were giving examples in the book about um, about whole life insurance versus other vessels of making money. So you look at like right now it's tax season, and it said something that stood out, and it was completely true because I read it in another book. It said if you were expecting like a large return, that means you overpaid on your yeah. you overpaid on your taxes yeah which is not really you getting yeah, something you're not getting you gave the government an interest-free loan of course of course so they said you need to start looking at more exemptions in order to lower your rate of what you pay them like you shouldn't <laughs> you shouldn't at the end of the year essentially shouldn't get anything back you so, because you shouldn't overpay them so we are I completely know that already. I completely understand. I can't, like I'm so, saying, like, no, I know you're not saying it to yeah, me, yeah, but I'm not, just saying like, yeah. like motherfuckers, like to be like all jokes aside, motherfuckers get excited about income tax. Yes, the government's not giving you anything but money that's already yours. They're just giving you your money back. <laughs> exactly. And niggas be like, oh, I can't wait to get my shit out. Like that's just the money you gave them that you overgave them. That's not you didn't like nothing happened. You exactly. just gave them more money than you were supposed to. And, and it's crazy because when you think about that, and then the same thing with 401ks. It's like. It's an interest-free loan for the government again because you can't touch it until 59 and a half. Yeah. So for all these years that it sits there and you contribute and then the your company contributes, but then it's also it also deals with the volatility of the market, like which can go up, go down, go up, go down. You can lose your 401k. Uh, you can lose the value in it. And you can't touch it until 59 and a half or you face a stiff penalty to 10%. pull out from it and then get taxed on it at the yeah. same time. And then you still get taxed on it when you pull it out. No, no, 10%. It's 10% of uh, taking it out before 59 and mm-hmm. then whatever tax it is for that. But I do not believe somebody recently said, you know, oh, they don't believe in 401ks, don't get a 401k. I don't believe in that. I think that's inaccurate. And I'm going to tell you why. That is only accurate if you're going to be the sophisticated investor. For the somebody who's going to work and not pay any attention to that, it is going to work out for them. I've seen it work out for so many people, but the person who's never going to look at it, never doesn't even care about that. Here, take my money, government. Do what you want. Mm-hmm. And then when they finally retire and they have 1.5 mil sitting for them that they would have never built themselves, for that person, the 401k worked for you. For the person like us, us younger millennials who are a little bit more active in our lives in those aspects, there's better avenues. For sure, but like at the same time, don't you think about like if you if so take the whole term life insurance and overfunding it and take your four hundred one k. I would never like, overfund my term life insurance policy. Not term, whole life. Oh, oh okay, okay. Like yeah. so, whole whole life insurance and then your four hundred one k and uh, let's say this historically, I think historically has grown about like four or five percent every year, and because they don't place their money in volatile. Uh, I forgot what exactly they invest in, but it's nothing that fluctuates with the markets or anything or any stocks like term. Term, I know, term, term is in term is a fixed contract. Term is a fixed contract, but th- where they invest their money to for you to get uh, profits is I think they do some in the market. I know variable. They definitely do it in the market. So like you deal with those fluctuations, um, but like a 401k. I read an article of it's phasing out right now. So like the pensions, the pension system fades itself out because it started to get too, too costly for the companies because now yeah. they needed to keep all this cash on hand mm-hmm. for a pension that you paid into. And the same with the 401k because not everybody is contributing anymore. Like it's not, it's not an incentive because now all this cash that you've been putting to the side, you can't take it to when you need it. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think a lot of more people are being conscious about it. It's like, well, that's why you should always have diverse shit. You shouldn't just have a 401k. You should have, if you're going to at least have, I mean, now 401k we're, is kind of, We're, we're like, talking about people who, and America as a whole, we're talking about people who truly, if you watch the inflation rates of everything, don't make enough in order to defer income. True, to, that's true. To save, like, everybody is so quick to tell people to save, but we also don't make enough 
to offset that. Saving is hard as fuck. I'm a horrible saver. I'm a horrible I do saver it, but I get it done, but it sucks. I'm not good at it, though. I have automatic things to set yeah, up to yeah. get me to save, but... Like, I asked my friends for... The other night, we was out. I was like, yo, how much do you save? And he's like, I typically do, like, 15% of my paycheck to go here, then another percentage to go here. And, like, you really got to, like, be diligent with it. Um, yeah, you got to make yourself get used to that, to, to your process. Yeah. If you got a shitty process and you're used to your shitty process, you're going to keep doing your shitty process. Yes. If you got a good process, but you made yourself get used to it, you're going you're gonna to be, be all right. But I also ask people, like, at what point are you comfortable with everything that you have? Like, so if you work hard, you're going to want to buy the things that you want and... Uh, enhance your lifestyle but at what point and i've asked like a lot of older people this who have homes who have multiple homes all these other things at what point are you comfortable within the lifestyle that you have to where you don't want more well i think i think consumerism can become a toxic part of your life if you if you are that type of person who can never be satisfied like if you're out here buying materialistic things and (laughs) And you and like there's nothing wrong. I know everybody tries to do this new things to act like everybody doesn't like materialistic things. Yeah. There's nothing wrong with buying nice things for yourself and materialistic things if you like it for yourself. There is something wrong if it's dipping into a part of your pocket where it shouldn't even be going. Mm-hmm. Like if it's living you above your means, if it's hurting your savings, if it's gonna fucking make you not have shit that you need when you actually need it. Like I used to do that, bro. I was in high school buying Pradas. <laughs> Nigga, that shit made no sense at all. Well, niggas was taking the train in Pradas yeah. in three hundred and eighty dollars shoes sneakers that shit is dumb as hell you know what i'm saying like that doesn't make sense but if you're if you're gay if you live a, you could i mean you, we're consumers bro this is a consumer's nation that we live in mm-hmm. we definitely over consume like like why you can't have you never met somebody who was kind of like really didn't have money like that who didn't really have much but they were like genuinely happy fucking people mm-hmm. you know they were like warm-hearted happy people just really happy with the simple things and then you hear about rich people killing themselves like that yep. shit ain't all that all that materialistic shit, and there's no there's no soul in it. There's no value in it. You know what I'm saying? It's just things that I got that you don't. And then after I have them, they ain't even that big. They ain't even that big of it. Don't what have you? What name something you've got that you wanted that after you had it, you're like, all right, whatever. I mean, there's plenty. There's countless shit. Yeah. in my life. Like all right, whatever. Like now nah, I got it. Yeah, I got it. Cool. And then now it's like, like all right, whatever. Well, That's that feeling of not having something. The feeling of not having something is so like. It's so fucking captivating. But if you don't have that feeling, you're probably a happier person because you're like, yo, look what I got. I got this. I got that. I'm out here. I'm doing my thing. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah, no. Nah, it, it's 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 real. It's crazy. And, you know, like back to building credit, it's very... You need to have a, a, a good starting block to build credit efficiently. But also, I think a lot of people run the credit cards, but there are also vessels, other vessels that you can use um, like getting a personal loan, or and don't be pay, or don't be paying niggas back. What do you mean? Like when I was building my credit, I wasn't giving nobody no fucking money unless you gave me some written guarantees. I was like, I was writing to the credit people. I was like, uh, to the shit that I owe, and I'm like, oh right, yeah, I'll pay this off. Can you pay? No, I'm gonna. Oh, you're pay. talking about I'm in gonna, the terms I'm, of rebuilding your credit. Yeah, yeah. When okay, I was rebuilding, okay. like, yeah, I'll pay this off. Oh, can we have eight hundred? Da 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 da. Whatever it was, and it's like. Can I have some guarantee that you guys are going to remove this from my credit? Yeah. And they're like, well, no, we can't get, then I can't, I'm never paying you then. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's that simple. So I'm only paying you because I'm fixing my situation. So if you're not going to give me a written verbal of, agreement, I don't even want a verbal because I don't fucking I mean, not trust verbal, nobody. A written legal yeah. agreement. Give me an email or a letter saying that you guys are going to remove this shit and you guys are going to clear it from my name and I will pay y'all. Otherwise, y'all can suck my dick. I will let, I will wait the seven years. <laughs> like don't let yeah I gotta like you gotta understand oh one thing that since you brought this up well, I do want to explain to people so, what happens with your debt when they sell it off to another company okay so and where you fall on that stick explain hold that right there so I hold that right there okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna go into because you keep saying seven, it, so I don't no because you keep saying seven years so on January 29th um there's a new credit act a bill that got passed in in the house this January just passed yeah. Uh, it was a bill that was headlined by Rashida Tlaib, and it was legislation aimed at overhauling the consumer credit reporting and providing additional protections and opportunities to rebuild credit. Um, the measure, which consisted of a package of six bills passed along party lines, it includes language calling for the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau to establish credit rehabilitation process, bar credit rating agencies from including delinquent or defraud all defaulted student loans on credit reports, 
after the borrower makes nine monthly payments on time and require private lenders to offer repayment plans to those facing economic hardship who are looking to rehabilitate their credit scores. I did that. So then, no, this is new. This is like just got passed. Yeah, but that thing you just mentioned about the nine monthly payments mm-hmm. of the school loan thing. I did that. Okay. I was in that. That's kind of weird. I didn't, I didn't know that there was something happening about Yeah, they're making it mandated. So now that got passed. So then these are the highlights for the bill. It shortens the length of time that adverse negative information stays on a credit report from seven to four years. Prohibits debt from medical medically necessary procedures from being included on credit reports. Extend the time period before all other medical debt may be reported from 180 days to 365, so a year. It requires credit reporting agencies to remove negative information resulting from predatory loans and fraudulent activity. It gives survivors of domestic and financial abuse a pathway to get negative information resulting from abuse removed from their credit reports. That's crazy because I have a whole situation. I know somebody that went through that type of situation. And yeah, so. I know multiple. So all the shit you just listed. Yes. I don't. I don't really want to make you say it again, but that is fucking crazy. I yo the future. I always say the future's gonna look real different. It's gonna look real different because niggas well, is we fighting people, for rights. Yes, we have yo, people in place that, that are is fighting crazy. for us to. That's to, crazy. That's a big deal. Fuck everything everybody else is talking about right now. That's a big fucking deal. Yo, Maddie, y'all niggas need to hear this. Who have credit issues or you're afraid of your credit issues because you just don't want to face them. Mm-hmm. Yo, they changing. I heard you say they're changing this shit from seven to four. Mm-hmm. That um, you should just repeat that shit. That shit was, I mean, not repeat it, but <laughs> no, no, I know touch point on some of the big ones because so, yeah, that so was fire. That's the, a big difference for a lot of people's lives. I mean, I I just missed that cut, yeah. but that's a big so difference. They're shortening the length of time that adverse negative information stays on a credit report from seven to four years. That's a yo. If you did some shit on your credit and you're not even the same person you you're not even the same person you was two years ago, or you wasn't not wild, or you want to change your life. You gotta hold that L for a whole another six or five, however far from you decided to be different. Yeah. For you gotta hold that L and they use that shit against you in every aspect on your current this is the bullshit. Your insurance. insurance. So when you're buying a car, when you're if you're trying to buy a house, anything that involves your credit, you're being judged on some shit you did six, five, four, three, two, one years ago. Mm-hmm. Which is bullshit. No, it's crazy. So Or didn't do. What I'm going to do since we're here. If you got a spouse, a nigga you was dating or a girl you was dating who was wilding out and, and irresponsible, that shit is on you for six, six, seven, five years, whatever amount of time is left on it before you decided to fix it. And that's a system. It's a very, you got, you always think like nobody is your homie. Like that's a system where everybody's in cahoots dipping in your pocket. Like, look, this was happening. If you are an insurance company, Rashad, mm-hmm. and you're charging everybody shitty rates because their credit, I'm incentivized to help you have bad credit mm-hmm. because I'm a bank and I work with the insurance companies and we're all incentivized to help the commu- the, the middle class, the workers who are going to make enough money to pay me. Everybody who has bad credit, your, your money's being divvied out for no fucking reason. Car insurance. That should, that's the one thing that car insurance should only be based on one thing. Yeah. So AOC. Do you drive well? So period. During this time when they were having all these hearings. So AOC and I think a couple other uh, legislators or well, uh, representatives in the house, they had had the insurance agencies uh, for hearings. And they said, what does your credit score have to do with your driving ability? Like with the risk of you driving? Like the two don't correlate. At all. At all. The no same. justification. It should have been sued and and and, ki- and killed. Yeah, so that's why, you know, they're starting to, you know, and, and when you step back and you think about it, like when Bernie Sanders is saying, like, we need to attack these corporations, we need to do all of these things, it's because you're trying to look, it, they have essentially been able to run wild with everything and create their own rules and look at the, look at the shift of where we are. Like the people... Majority of the United States citizens don't have the same benefits and advantages as the top 10% people do. So they get to run free and do whatever. And meanwhile, you have this group of people who, like, outside of race agnostic, everyone is oppressed. Because if you fuck up, there is... 
it's like going to jail. Like when we spoke about it on last pros- on our last uh, podcast. Once you go to jail, you're fucked for life, and now you can't. It is that much harder to rehabilitate yourself and go ahead in life. It is designed to keep you stifled and keep you down. Now, the same way with credit and all these other uh, all these other machines that they have working, it is designed. Once you fuck it up, it is designed to keep you exactly there and never to push yourself and pull yourself ahead. Like I said. It, it, you gotta take extensive measures to get out of that shit. Once you fuck your credit, it is easy to fuck your credit up. It is not easy to get it back. Nah. As fast as you fuck it up is, it's just like this. If you start eating a lot of food and you start working out, like I mean, if you start eating a lot of food, you put on weight. Okay, cool. Then you can go to the gym and start working out, and you'll start off, you'll start offsetting that and seeing results. It's just that correlation works. Not with your credit. No. <laughs> you nigga, nigga, they've been cheating for mad long and robbing people. Why, just think about the logic behind this. Why, if I apply for a credit card, does it negatively? would my credit card, credit score go down? That doesn't even make sense. Exactly. I'm applying at an, just me trying to get a card means I have bad, means I'm a bad credit user. Yes. Because I want to try one. No. And two, if there's an option for a soft pull on your credit, for those who may not know, I think everybody knows what a soft pull is. It's a, it's a pull on your credit without it actually hitting your score. Mm-hmm. If there's an option for that and some credit card companies offer that option, that means every card can. And remember what I said about Apple? Mm-hmm. Apple credit card. I knew they were going to come out with some one feature that is going to be at least seemingly people friendly. From, yeah. yeah. And that's the one feature where I'm like, so Apple credit card, which is with Golden, Golden Sachs Bank, is offering you the opportunity to apply for a credit card and they will let you see if you get approved or not but not let it hit your credit so i'm like hmm hmm guys people everybody stop letting these niggas take these take these w's y'all all could get your credit popping all you gotta do is just change a couple of things yeah it's it's just all about just restru- take credit cards like just treat everything like it's a it's a fucking like uh what would you say rashad like treat everything like like it's a strategy yeah. Everything's a strategy. Your credit card is not a is not money. It's a strategy. It's a it's a it's a tool. It's just it's a like tool. it's just like what I was saying with like whole life insurance. It's a tool. It's a tool to get ahead because at the same time, you're using it as a vessel. You're not using it as a surplus in income mm. because you are funding it. Mm. So it's the same way. Like credit, if look at the way they structure it with all the reward tiers and they want everybody. Oh, if you sign up for the credit card, we'll give you a hundred thousand points, and you earn all these points with each purchase. If you spend three thousand in the first three months, you get this many points. Yeah. So you're incentivizing people to use it, but these points aren't like exact. They are dollar value, but it's so undervalued. Mm-hmm. You understand? Like mm-hmm. you spend three thousand, you don't get three thousand. You probably get three hundred dollars mm-hmm. or less. You know what I mean? And and. Obviously, there's deeper psychology behind it. I know some people who do really, really good with that, though. No, me too. There's what I'm saying, but there are select few. It's there's deeper psychology behind why people like get enticed and get entangled with all these things because on the surface it looks like a sweet deal, but then oh shit, I got to spend all this money to get these points, and then I travel like. And my thing is, I travel for free. I'm like, you don't travel for free because you have to. You've paid for this already. You did nothing is for free. You think they're really giving you this shit for free? I mean, no. You know, you know who's getting it for free though? Who? That very small percentage of people who like. But it's not like I mean free in the sense that like if I'm somebody who like who gets the twenty thousand dollar credit card limit mm-hmm. and I want to buy myself a trip to Spain for three thousand. I'm just gonna use the random yeah. number three thousand dollars. I'll just use that credit card and then use the same three thousand dollars because I got. And guess what? It's not gonna hurt me because it's not over that. That credit card, um, that credit card uh, usage limit. Yeah. So it's like I'm, I'm, I'm afforded the opportunity to have a wild limit where I can take advantage of all these, fe- and then when that credit card's done, I can just use one of my other credit cards that have certain zero percent for the first this amount of time and get it. I, I know people who do that and yeah. they win, but they come from the background where they're gonna get those easy, easy Ws. For sure. Like, and I, I know like a lot of my homies have those too, but like my thing is like it's a small game. If you, if you truly step back and look at it, it's a small game. If you have to spend all this money, like, and, Why? Then, and then we go back. What if I have to spend that money anyway, though? But think about it. You have to pay this balance off before 
the the month is up. The people I'm talking about don't don't carry balances. No, for sure. Like, and that's yeah. why I'm saying like it is a very small few and it's a very yeah. little gain. Like, if 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 you use the vessel like that, solid is good. That's to go. the only. You know what's funny? That should be the only way we th- we take that vessel. Yes. If we if we took that seriously. Credit cards would be like, all right, we can't offer rewards anymore. Yo, the second, yo, who said this? Fuck. Oh, somebody said you want you want um gun violence to be solved. Uh, he said buy. Let black people. Uh, Dave Chappelle said it. He said oh, Dave Chappelle said let it. Let all the black people go buy. Uh, uh, M16 AR. No, let all black people go buy guns tomorrow. I guarantee you, they would change the laws. Yeah, yeah. So same concept. Like if everybody started using the cards like the vessel, like that type of tool, using it like a weapon, like that. Reward points would be gone. <laughs> they would be like, yeah. all right, it's over. You Remember know, when they had that? Oh, I'll give you a perfect example, a real live example. We all going to know about this. Chase Bank had debit card rewards. Yes, I think they still do. No, they got rid of that shit years ago. They got rid of it. I was well, they do when they got Chase, rid of it. Chase offers now. Yeah, they got rid of the debit card point rewards because niggas use their debit card. Yeah, everybody uses their debit card like a motherfucker. And they're like, okay, this is not gonna work out because they're just. They're just doing the purchases they would already be making and then getting points off of us and using their points for things. So cancel that. Mm-hmm. That there was no benefit in it for them. You know what I'm saying? So like a credit card, the risk, there's a good there's so everything's risk. The risk is, okay, I'll give you these points. But there's a good risk in this. You might pay 14% interest if you if if you get to that part. Mm-hmm. You might pay late, which is a late fee. You might have bad credit, which is great for me. So, like, it's like a deal. Like, the deal is, all right, I'm giving you this, but I can get way more return out of you. Precisely. Way more. So, but then, so it went back, and I thought about the conversation with Samir. It's like, you, you need credit in everything. Like, you need credit to, to navigate this life. And in, in a sense, he's right, but in a sense, he's wrong because you don't need credit in order to, if you use certain vessels the right way, you won't need credit. Because like I said, if you overfund an insurance policy, uh, a whole life term policy, that I mean, not term, a whole life insurance mm-hmm. policy, mm-hmm. then you can use that as a vessel to get the cash and go buy the things that you need. So when you go apply for a mortgage, we want to see, oh, we, we need to check your credit history. We need to check your income to debt ratio. And then this rate. Well, if I take from my fund, now I can I can buy this house. See, this is why you just you made me remember something that I forgot. So this is why utilizing multiple policies in different ways is good, right? Mm-hmm. Because when you have a term policy, you're agreeing that when you die, your beneficiary you is going to get this, this for term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you die by, by this, by this, this age, certain time, we pay out. Yeah. So it's for that, right? Now with whole life, yeah, you can take from it, but you lower the death benefit. When you take from it, yes, but you have to overfund it back to pay, yeah, to bring the to bring it back to its original value. Exactly. So hypothetically, just real fast, if you had fifty thousand dollars in a whole life policy and your death benefit was guaranteed a hundred thousand, every time you take from it, you're lowering that hundred thousand to whatever the the the, whatever threshold, the cash value of what they allowed you to take. That's why it's good to have a variety of things. Yes, you can't get a term life policy if you're old already because that shit sucks. Yeah, because. Everything back to risk. It's Everything's risk on risk. So everything. the chances of you dying is very high because you're old, so they're not going to give you a lot. The chances of me dying is in their formula. They're hoping I don't die so they can use the bread to make money on it. Mm-hmm. And most likely I won't die. By the time I'm supposed to die, the money that they're going to give me, they already made triple that amount of money. That's how they. That's how they think. That's how. Yeah. They, that's how they put it together. So then that's why, like, I started thinking. I'm like, fuck. Okay. Well, you trying to think how you're not going to get robbed? No, I'm trying to finagle the game because like, all right, well, I have a whole life policy, but opening up another policy to where I can overfund it in order to buy a house and I'll just fund it because then I'm not like that interest that you pay to the bank when you get a mortgage that hit to your credit. You're like them doing an intensive search on your credit uh, report, that hard pull, like you negate that because now you have the cash value because I remember to me, it's like, well, you can't navigate life without credit. Essentially, you could because I have the cash. Like the I problem, navigated life without credit. To be honest, huh? I navigated life without credit. Same until I needed it, and then I went and got it. Because the whole thing is that you. The whole thing is that you. You like you can't get stuck in the game of how they do it because now they keep you stuck. They they want you, you know, they want you to to um be stuck in this game and do all these other things and. Use this product, use this vessel, use this and that, and you have to learn how to navigate outside of it. So, when you go get a car, like 
Well, uh, let me step back. Due to inflation, a lot of things are inflated um, immensely. Like houses aren't the true value that they are. Houses because nobody makes that much money in order to buy a house cash like they used to back in the day. Same with cars. People used to be able to buy cars cash because they made the money. You know, they made uh, a decent amount to where they can accrue that amount of cash. Everything is inflated, and I pointed it out to people. I'm like, well, look, look at your salary. Look at the look at the amount of money this house costs. Can you go get this house cash? And then how long would it take you to accrue that cash? Same with the car. Cars, let's say a thirty thousand dollar car or a twenty five thousand dollar car. How long did it take you to accrue twenty thousand dollars cash? Not that long. For certain people. No, I'm just no, I'm just saying. Oh, <laughs> oh no, no, I'm just. I didn't mean it oh. like that. I meant like. You can get $20,000 if you really dedicated yourself yes, to that Yes, you definitely shit. can. But like, your to scenario. your average person, to your average American, they don't make that. Like, so when salary, when the cost of living and everything inflated, the cost of the salary went, it stayed exactly the same. And that's why Bernie Sanders said, like, we need to raise the minimum wage. I because, get that. No, I, like, I'm here with that. Yeah. Like, since 1970, the, the wage stayed here and everything else went up. So, I'm just saying you can do that. that no, no, that's, no, no. That's you, doable. you can. But like to... I'm highlighting a picture for, you know, for listeners. So now when you look at the price of a home, everything is inflated. Do everything is inflated due to credit. If you look at everything mm-hmm. that is sold, it is inflated due, due to, to borrowing. Credit. Due to borrowing because you know what? This house, let's say a house is worth a house they're not worth $300,000. But due to borrowing and lending, it is worth 300, it is worth 400, it is worth 450, it is worth half a mil. Nobody has that type of cash rolling around to be able to go just buy a house at at a at scale at that many at, at a high level. If you look at majority of the people in the United States, they don't buy their house cash. It's all mortgages. But back in the day, if we if we date back to the fifties, forties, thirties, people were buying their house cash. Yes, they had mortgages, but they weren't like some had mortgages, but they weren't um they weren't insane mortgages. I just think that when it comes to things back in the day, I just think that they didn't realize that they could rob us this much until time went by and they realized that they could. Yeah. Like, I, I just feel like they just didn't realize what they could get away with. And now they know like, oh, these niggas is going to let us do whatever the fuck we want. Like the people who run shit. That's what I think, to be honest. Like, like, yeah, like, we, yeah, maybe a house. I mean, houses here are expensive in this think- part of Long Island. So some shit, if you want some nice shit, like right now, like to keep it a buck right now, you could go buy a house for a hundred grand. You can go buy a house for 150 grand. Just gonna be look. It's just gonna look like shit. For sure. You know what I'm saying like it's gonna have. It's gonna have mad issues. It's gonna look like shit, and then you gonna have to take the effort. Mm-hmm. But like, you can't buy a house for three hundred grand in Long Island and be happy. But it's not. even I mean, that. not and like, be happy. Wrong words. But, and be like, this shit is exactly how I wanted it to look. But like, the issue is that people used to be able to have a regular job and then go buy a house, but you can't have a regular job. Like you can't be a teacher and then go get a house. Like you can, but you're gonna be in debt up to your fucking neck. Same way with like being sanitation or the jobs that people used to work, like working in a factory. You'd work through, you would be able to work in a factory and provide for your entire family. Yeah, I don't think America, see, see, see what you're saying right so, here? I've said this on other episodes. I just don't think America is about that. No, it escaped. They claimed to be about that, man. They probably could have been about that back in the no, day. No, it, it was. But we're not like, then you just can't have a house because this is America, and if you can't capital, if you can't be a capitalist, then you can't have it. Like that's, I feel like that's how we live now. Yeah, because like, that you can't have one. That now. structure went out the door. Like before, back in the day, that structure existed where you can go work at a place for twenty years, provide for your family, send your kids to school, pay all your bills, buy a house, and be good off of this one salary. Like then it shifted to where they started to become more greed driven, and now your wife has to go get a job. And then now your child has to go get a job mm-hmm. to support this whole system. Yeah, the whole concept of kicking your kids yeah. out and they have to go fend for themselves died out because it's like, nah, you need you dumb niggas will really die if you kick them out now. Yeah. They gotta stay home because, later. People are leaving home later. Because people people are leaving home later because they don't make that much. Like and yeah. that that it's that right there that people have to step back and see like, yo, well, we gotta, we gotta, I mean, it's really us, but we have to educate people and we're trying to educate people. No, but it's really us. Like, 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 like I said with the banks, right? If we took our money out, they would have to react. It's really us, nigga. Like, like we mad about the prices on apartments and shit. Right. Mm Mm-hmm. But niggas keep going in these apartments yeah. and paying the fucking 2400 around a month for the two bedroom and for the one bedroom. Yeah. Okay. Stop doing that. 
I know it sounds simple. I know I'm making it sound simple. I know it's yeah, not but simple. It's legit. But stop, stop doing, that. doing that, and they will start lowering the price yeah. because they have a business to run. At the end of the day, they have a supply demand situation, and we have our own demands too. We are actually the power behind all the bullshit. We just fucking can't get to get our minds together. They cannot rape us if we don't want to be raped. They can't take advantage of us if we don't if, they, if we don't want to be taken advantage of. Okay, keep your apartment prices stupid high. We're not leaving home, and we're not gonna we're not we're gonna stay in our parents' home that they bought in 1940 when it was thirty thousand dollars. We're gonna stay in those homes now. And we're not leaving until y'all motherfuckers do the right thing. We're not leaving these these low income things. We're gonna stay here until y'all do the right thing. They're gonna move. Exactly. They're gonna move. I mean, they're gonna move the needle. If they don't move the needle, they go out of business. They're not gonna pay for a building they bought when they went. The point of them paying for it was to try to rob us. If they can't rob us, they have to adjust and they have to agree. Then after you get in, they'll try to change shit later. But then you gotta be like, fuck out of here. For sure, and it's the same thing. It's the same thing in every in every industry across. Like when we were yeah. talking about restaurants and tipping and how restaurants don't pay their workers and it's really that that industry to like one it takes people outside the industry everybody needs allies when they're oppressed so like people hated that you said that i really i really think you were just challenging the comfort mindset of how that works i don't really think that was something to hate i think it was a way to think differently you have sometimes you have to think differently as to why it's like this and then how is this going to change like so and like you said, there are models, there are restaurants that pay their workers uh, a livable wage. The food just costs a little more. I went to the standard the other night. I don't know what they get paid, but I can just tell by their whole demeanor and their whole attitude. They probably get paid pretty good. Yeah. So, like I said, I went to Blue Smoke again um, the other day. They paid. They So, like they said, our meals are typically a little bit more because we employ and pay a full staff and there is no tipping. So when you get that receipt, there is no option to tip. So because they pay their employ their employees well enough to work there. Now, that can happen for every restaurant across the board. It's just a matter of them stop being greedy. You the everybody is making money. Everybody's just being greedy at the same time. And and that's where it really is. So you have people, smart people who understand, like, all right, put it like this. If I'm in the restaurant industry, I would want to go to Blue Smoke because now I'm like, I mean, yeah, Blue Smoke. I would want to go to Blue Smoke because you know what? I can work in it. I can work at a great restaurant that values employees, that pays me a livable wage, and I can work in a great environment. My service is always going to be top notch. If I'm a, if I'm a business owner, who whoever implemented that was smart as fuck because I don't deal with people. You know, you probably get irate customers from time to time, but I don't deal with my staff ever want to be like. Oh, this motherfucker didn't tip me and then giving and then from that one bad experience giving negative experiences to everyone else you you're providing an atmosphere where everybody comes in and is happy already so you know what's funny you know what's real funny about what you're saying people would might hate on you but it's really the opposite like i think a lot of waiters and waitresses would actually only disagree but not because of what not because of what the ignorant would disagree about they would disagree because I think a lot of waiters and waitresses like working in the situation that they're in right now. They like it because if there's a fixed pay, there's really no room for you to have this whopping night or this whopping moment because you could have three, you could have a night where two people call out, right? And that is a surplus in customers, but you're still going to get paid the same amount yeah. because you have a fixed good, good pay. And another case, waitresses who work in specific areas in certain restaurants in the city if two people were to call out, yeah, they're going to work harder that night, but they're taking home a lot of money that night, mm -hmm. and a lot of them bank on that. So while while some people are saying, oh, Rashad, you're bugging, like, you should tip, you should tip, you should tip, that's kind of the game they enter. That's the game you enter. Yo, first of all, I'm sorry. I'm Like, nobody forced you to be, the, be a waiter or a waitress. That was a decision you made. Mm -hmm. And if that was the only job you can get, that sucks, but every a lot of people's lives suck. You know what I'm saying? Like, shit happens. If you decided to be in the waiter or waitress game, you are in the game. You should be playing the game the way it needs to be played. If you, especially if you work in the fucking city, people. If there's a, if you make, if you hustle that night, you make good tips and you show extra service. You're gonna make extra money. Now, if I work in a place like what's the name of the place? Uh, Blue Smoke. Blue Smoke. I may not have an incentive to do anything extra, right? Mm -hmm. Because now I'm like I could be regular me. I'm still gonna get paid the same way. 
You don't like your food? Okay, I didn't make it, motherfucker. Not my problem. The chef made it. I'll get you another one, but don't give me attitude. I didn't make it. Bring your food back. Bring it back to you. All right, here you go. Have a good day. And I'm going to get paid that better salary anyway. So it's like, it's kind of a double-edged sword, but it's good that people have people should have that option. Like, there should be more restaurants and more places that pay a standard thing to their waiters and waitresses and maybe the same that don't or whatever. But I don't know. I think that, I think your choice to pay or not pay should just be on the, I, the burden shouldn't be on the fucking cons- consumer no matter what. Yeah. That burden should not be on me. Well, like I said, like when you, when you provide a service, your rate is your rate. It's not tacky. You were taught it was tacky. Yeah. It's not, they, it's not, it's not anything, anything negative you think you were just taught that over long term. Society has made, guilted you into yeah. feeling this way. Yeah. But that's, that's the truth. Look, your rate is your rate. If your barber charges you $30 for a haircut, right? That is his rate. If he frowns upon, like, he or she frowns upon you not tipping them, that's his, he or she's fault. Because if you truly wanted that that extra revenue, you could have included that in the price. The same way, like I said, if if somebody, if you, if you get a job like, you know, I need somebody to paint my paint my house. All right, we'll charge you $1,000. Cool. You pay them, they do the job. You pay them the thousand dollars, and then they're sitting there looking at you like this. So you're gonna tip me? I just paid you for your service. Service is rendered, um, and people have to understand that. If you like, your price is your price for a reason. So you set your price accordingly, and then you move accordingly. You know that happened to me. That exact scenario happened to me at Carter's first birthday mm-hmm. when we got them clowns to come here. We got them clowns, and you know, obviously it was a busy day for me, yeah. like running the, running my kids' party, and we paid them, you know what I'm saying? And then, and this was, I mean, you talk about me being tacky for not wanting to tip. Let's talk about who's really tacky when somebody wants to be tipped. We paid them. And then somebody came up to me like, yo, the clown people are waiting for you to tip them. So I was like, what? Mind you, I'm in a whole different section area. And they were literally waiting in like the lobby area. They were waiting right here. Mm -hmm. They were waiting and they asked, I mean, and they told somebody, it wasn't even Elizabeth who came up to me. They told somebody and this person went up to Elizabeth and went up to me and then came to us like, hey, they're waiting to be tipped. And I'm like, the fuck am I supposed to tip them? I paid them ex- what, I, what, what I they came here to service. do. And then me and Elizabeth was sitting there like, I don't know how much we give them. $30, $40, $50. So we're like, oh, I don't know. We, like, we gave them 50. It was an uncomfortable tip, but I was like, all right, we gave them $50. But I'm like, why the fuck did, did I just give you guys extra money to come here and do exactly what I paid y'all to do? And you didn't do anything extra but what you were supposed to do. Exactly. And why would you not... If I tip you, and if I did tip you, that should be on my own feelings and merit. You fucking told somebody to find me to get a tip, and you're waiting here for your tip. Like, that's not me being tacky. Nigga, that's you being tacky. Like, what the fuck? That's that's not a tip. A tip is supposed to be like, yo, you know what? You really turned up on me. Like, that was... What? You brought the horses here, too? Mm -hmm. And you made the horse do a backflip? Nah, nigga. We giving you 50 bucks extra. That's wild. That's like your job. That didn't happen. That's like your job and getting a bonus. Like, some jobs have the structure to where you can get a bonus. You can... If your performance is here, you can get a bonus. Speaking of job, I I have my review tomorrow for my bonus. So, but at the same time... Your performance is indicative, is it, uh, you know, was it indicative of your bonus? So, if if you perform and you do, you go above and beyond, and at the end of the year, your manager's like, excuse me, your manager's like, you know what, you did a good job. Listen, here's his bonus. It's good. If they don't, cool. You know that you need to find another place to work at, but. Is a, a tip or a bonus is not guaranteed in certain in certain instances, but it's not guaranteed. Like you should. So if you work in the industry or you offer a service, offer if you expect to be tipped, just offer your service at that price. Factor that into your price. Create Maybe it's part of the experience. Create the value. <laughs> create the value of why you. If I pay you, if this is your price, then this is your price. They do that in Europe a lot, in a lot of places. And when I was in Paris, and when I was in my fault, and when I was in um, in um, in Spain, they didn't they didn't accept tip. Yeah, they probably they, just charged me. When I was in Spain, it would have been. They yeah. probably just charged me whatever the tip would have been. Nah, when I was in Spain, no tip. Yeah, they don't do that. Every restaurant you get, you look at the menu. They offer, you know, you see the price. That shit was awkward. I'm like, I felt bad. I'm like, damn. I'm, I'm like. I'm like, you sure? Like, you good? You sure you want me to give you a tip? <laughs> Not for sure, but like, bad. you know, at the end of the day, like, 
these are places that actually value your everyday worker, your employee. Like, you know, for when I open up a business or, you know, do something in that realm, like I would treat my employees well. I would I would I would encourage them to, you know, work hard and then offer them incentives for working hard and then offer them other options too. Like I think a lot of people focus on there is so much money out there, but a lot of people focus on skimping the money from your employees, like skip taking everything you can get from your employees and make maximizing profits when there is still profits to be made. Like everybody was complaining. McDon- McDonald's was complaining about 15, a $15 minimum wage, yet they make trillions of dollars, billions of dollars. But yet they were complaining all oh, well, we're gonna have to go automated. Well, we're you saw what they did. Well, they were doing. They were prepared for that fight before their fight even got here. But when, I remember I went to when when me and Elizabeth went to Paris a couple of years ago, like years before, like years ago mm-hmm. before this, um, before the minimum wage switch happened, we went to a McDonald's in in Paris, and that shit had automation. But I never, I never seen it before. Like it was automatic. It was order uh, the machines where yeah, you yeah. just order from, and then I was just like. Oh, these niggas is prepared for this minimum wage to go up. Like, yeah. like oh, you want to raise it? Go right ahead. We have less workers. Exactly. Problem solved. And that just shows you the greed aspect. So, you know, uh, a lot of things tie in, but, you know, it, it, there's a lot of factors, but let's circle back and, like, finish this off. So, like, um, for those who, you know, you, you've, you've fucked up your credit, you know, definitely go to Credit Karma, go to Experian, or go to TransUnion, and then look up your report look at all the negative things in your report and then now know know that um it's no longer seven years it goes down to four that it stays on your uh your credit report and then if you do have like um you know delinquencies or you have a bad debt that you need to pay off contact the owners of the oh that's what you want to talk about yeah. um yeah. contact debt. the the owners of that debt and make sure you get a written agreement to pay it to once you pay this they're going to take it off your report so then that way like your credit score boosts uh boosts itself up so what happens and your credit score will grow up significantly so what happens is i'm just going to use simple things you say you owe a bank money and you take you never paid it you're, you're in collection with them and you're not giving them the money they get tired of the shit they sell your debt off at a price to a third-party company that buys debts and then keeps a large profit on the money they actually get. So let's say you owed a hundred dollars to Chase. They will sell. They will sell this company your debt for seventy dollars, right? Maybe probably even lower than that, but seventy dollars. And now, because this company has your debt at seventy dollars, they're gonna try to make profit and get as much as they can from you. But Chase already sold it off to them and took a portion of what they gave them for it. And now they're going to fight with you. So even if you give that company $30 of the 70, they still made profit because they didn't pay that much for it from from fucking Chase. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Chase took the majority of the L. So now they may be harassing you for $900, maybe $1,000. If you just make a deal with them and and you speak to them with, with conviction and you're like, Hey, this is how much I have. I can't afford it. This is all I got in my life right now. This is what I'm giving you. I'll give you guys $200 and this is take it or leave it. They'll take it and you tell them to agree that they're removing from your credit. They'll take it because it's still a profit for them. They, they're in a volume game where they're going to take as much debt as possible, take the shittiest debt and try to get people to pay. And they'll harass. That's why they harass you like that. So when they're blowing your phone up, texting you, emailing, emailing, calling, 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 going crazy, they're harassing you because they need to get the pennies, at least a little bit of debt from you because their volume game is what wins for them. And after you know that, just pay them off. Just don't pay them what they actually asked for. Don't give them the full price of what they asked for. You're wasting fucking money. You could be using that money to fund your situation. If they owe you, if you owe them, do not give it to them. The real original creditor, the real original person who has your debt, if it's Chase, they're not going to really settle with you because they want their actual money. But after it's bought out, the company that buys your debt will definitely settle with you. And they will remove that shit off your credit. If you put your foot down and when they do, your score will grow up like a lot of points. Yeah. And yeah. So, you know, you want to practice those things. Um, just being smarter about credit. You don't have to pay. Dude, there's a hustle right now. With all these motherfucking credit repair. people. Oh, yeah. It's so oversaturated. You actually 
just really quick, really short. You don't have to pay none of these niggas. All they're doing is writing letters to the people you owe. They're purposely taking forever to respond because they probably have you on a monthly payment plan. So they can't fix your situation quickly because it doesn't benefit them to fix it quickly. So understand if you are paying one of these people and they seem to be taking long, it's on purpose. Because the longer, if you're on a monthly plan, they obviously get paid so they need to take their time helping you. You could write the letters to the people yourself. You could Google where the fucking company is you and could, write them the letters. You, you can contact them and do everything they're doing. They're responding with the letters with the C to make sure the shit is accurate. Then you could pay things. You could do it all yourself. Credit it's Karma easy. has all that information. Yeah, Credit Karma's ruining their game a little bit. Yes. Credit Karma has all that information, all of your lenders, everybody, every account that you have open. Credit like, Karma literally does have yes, it and the and addresses they, and everything, they too. They have everything. And it's good because, like, if let's say you never knew, but somebody opened up account an account in your name and you just had no idea about it. Like, there's all this information there for you. So don't get, you know, people with these credit services, they're just doing the shit that you don't want to Yo, do. Yo, we being stupid as a society. Like... I don't even care who's offended. Like, y'all being dumb. Everybody's being dumb. Everybody's being stupid. My nigga, we have YouTube. YouTube's a, few, a free service. You can put anything on YouTube and the responses come up. Go on YouTube and just put in how to repair credit myself. I've never done it. I guarantee you there's going to be massive results mm -hmm. with accurate information on how to just do it yourself. Probably some kid who did it himself who's just showing everybody how to do it yourself for free. We just don't want to watch that video for 25, 12 minutes or 13 minutes or 40 minute video because we want to be on fucking Instagram swiping the same 300 times looking at what we want to look at. Like, just if you... That's what I'm saying. Like you said earlier about... You mentioned, you mentioned the $20,000 card thing. I said you can do that. I know it sounds far-fetched and it sounds like... Yeah. No, you can do that when you make decisions. You just have to save weekly. Make decisions. Like, you make have to decisions. Set, up, set up money that you can put aside You weekly. can fix your own credit. Look, you got to pay somebody. $25 a week is $100 a month you can save. And that's very small. Like, that's on a small scale. So... People just have to break this down. You can save. You just have to do it in increments that you are comfortable with. Put it in an account that you don't touch and just let it grow. How are you going to pay somebody to fix a situation because you ain't got money, but you paying somebody to fix your money situation, but you ain't got money? They're just taking advantage. It's a system of another another system of taking advantage. And it's not, and it's not like, um, you know, white people get blamed a lot for a lot of the taking advantage of people. But everybody's doing it. It's not even I, most of the credit repair people that I see are minorities. Mm -hmm. Like they're all just taking advantage of the fact that you're ignorant, that they, you could just do what they're doing. People who really are nice and want to give you information, they're right on YouTube. Just so you know, niggas on YouTube be giving up all the secrets, all the gems. <laughs> you got a car issue. Here you go. You don't got to pay your mechanic. Go on YouTube. Say, how do you do it? Shit. YouTube is friendly as fuck. Yeah. They be giving nah, you all nah, the gems. It definitely is. It definitely is. But, uh, just want to wrap this up. Thank you for listening to another episode of the If You Know You Know podcast. Please, like, share it with your friends. Um, I know I, you always hear a lot of people, like, you know, we love everything that you're doing, love all the content. And yo, we didn't you, even talk to y'all about Valentine's Day. I hope y'all had a good Valentine's Day. Yeah, that too, but we passed that. Um, I just want to make sure everybody got their gifts or up. was a gift. Shut up. We're doing Snacks. serious stuff right now. All right, good, good, good. I was a snack. I'm letting you know that right Shut now. Shut the fuck up. But. <laughs> But yeah, definitely please, um, you know, share us with your friends, share us with people who you think that are receptive to this type of information because we want to, you know, we want to grow. We want to help people. So like this is very uh, important to us. So like an Instagram post is free. It don't cost money to use Instagram. A story is free. So please help us out. And that is wrapping us up. That's wrapping it up, man. Watch that credit card. Yeah. Don't spend. Don't trick off. Don't trick. See you. Bye.